Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Hey, this is the last one in Ivy's Summer of Miracles. And I'm so encouraged to hear of answers to prayer that you've been letting us know about. Some instant, some things that you've been praying about for a long time, but now you're starting to see something happen. Miracles happen. What's a miracle? The dictionary says a miracle is a wonder, a marvel, an extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and so is ascribed to divine intervention. In his book that's simply called Miracles, C.S. Lewis wrote, I define miracles as an interference with nature by supernatural power. In other words, miracles happen when God does something only God can do. And actually, he does a lot of miracles, but God often doesn't take or get the credit that he deserves. Because maybe it's, I'm really struggling, I don't have a clue what we're going to do. You know, even if you're not a believer, I bet you've said at some point, oh, I really need a miracle. Or, well, it's going to take a miracle to get us out of this one. And then later on, I end up thinking, oh, phew, well, that worked out okay. And even though I said I needed a miracle, when something happens and it comes, I walk away saying, well, aren't I clever? Or, well, I'm so glad I got us through that. And then I move on to my next problem. So we really want to encourage you to believe God and to believe God for miracles here at Ivy. Why? Because the Bible does. On every page, the Bible describes a miracle-working God who made everything and who steps in supernaturally over and over again in people's lives. And he still wants to do that today. That's why we have the sign in the building here. Whether you've prayed and seen miracles already, whether you missed them or, and, and when they happened or maybe when you didn't get the answer that you wanted, I still want you to expect great things from our great big God and to expect a miracle. And as we're going to see today, even when you feel like you're all out of options, maybe God's just getting started. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. When we think of miracles, what usually comes to mind might be the parting of the sea or somebody walking on water or turning it into wine. We think about healings and signs and wonders. But Jesus didn't just say, I'm going to do miracles or I want you to see miracles. He said, I want you to do even greater things than I've done. And today we're going to see how that can happen as we close out this teaching on miracles. And we're going to see that actually, before we go any further, the greatest miracle of all is salvation that really God is doing something that only he can do when he reaches into a sin-filled life and he turns that person around and stops them being so selfish and like I once was and chasing idols in so many ways and he showed me that he'd sent his son to save me. That was a miracle. Every other miracle only lasts for this life, but this one lasts forever. It's the greatest miracle because, you know, 
even before that, God had been blessing me, providing for me, directing me, giving me what, what I didn't deserve. But then he gave me a new nature, a new heart and fresh start. And you can ask God for that greatest miracle today because people around you will see God do what only he could do when he gives you his life and puts the Holy Spirit inside of you. And now I want to encourage you, whether you've ever done this before or not, to make some notes to get ready and write something down about this because what we're going to look at today is going to help you to not have to deal with so much disappointment in your life when, when or whether, whether you see miracles or not because the first thing I want you to write down is this God doesn't always give me what I want. Make a note of that. The reason this happens, that he doesn't just give me what I want, is because I'm not the master and he's not a genie and actually that's a really good thing because how many of those genie in the lamp jokes finish badly because they always end up asking for the wrong thing? And there was many things that I've prayed for, miracles that I thought would be best, the way I could see it, and yes, I've ended up being disappointed. But for some of them now, I look back at them and I'm like, whew, I'm so glad that didn't happen the way I thought because God doesn't always give me what I want. And then write this down too, God doesn't always give me how I want. And I'm not sure if that's grammatically correct, but I know it's theologically right. What I mean by that is God doesn't always fix our problems in the way we want or expect him to. Like he doesn't always drop an answer out of nowhere from the skies. When I look through the Bible, what I see is how it usually works is God gets to work with something that somebody gives him. That's called faith. Let me say that again. It's really important. So rather than a genie in a bottle, ping, it just appears out of nowhere. When you look through the Bible, what you're going to see is how it usually works is God gets to work with something that somebody gives him in faith. Yes, there are a couple of occasions when we read about manna just appearing in the desert, but in times of need, many, many times, God's miraculous provision comes not out of the blue, out of what we don't have, but in multiplying what we already have. Again, you could write that down because it can help you live a life of miracles more and more. God's provision usually doesn't come out of the blue, but out of you. You give him back what he gave you in faith and he takes it and he, he multiplies it miraculously. Just think about the most famous miracle in the New Testament, the feeding of the 5,000. It's in every one of the four gospels because the first disciples couldn't believe what they saw with their own eyes. A miracle of multiplication just from a few fishes and loaves given in faith and offered with thanks to God for provision and then shared out. And we're going to see today from this true story from the Old Testament, from the Bible today, that very often the miracle you need, what God wants to get started with on, it, it starts right there where you are with what you've got. And the answer doesn't come with you magicking something that you don't have, but God wants to take something that's already there in your grasp and go to work with it. So the, when the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples said to Jesus, where are we going to feed all these people? They were overwhelmed by the challenge. They said, we haven't got enough. We've got to send them away. And Jesus says, no, you don't have to send them away. What have you got? You give them something to eat. How many loaves and fishes do you have? And, it, and it's like, are you going to, you know, it, it challenged people like, are you going to throw your net out on the other side of the boat? Will you get your feet wet? Will you get your sandals wet by stepping out of the boat? Or are you going to get your let your doubts about your own power, your own abilities to do what is needed, stop God from doing what he wants to do. Because the question he might ask you is the same one that he did with Moses when he was saying, 
Oh, not me, I can't do it. Oh, no, pick somebody else, not me, no way. But God said to him, Moses, what's that in your hand? And Moses says, this is just a stick. But when he gives it to God, lays it down before him, it becomes the rod of God. <laughs> and then miracles happen. So the greatest miracles don't usually appear out of nowhere because God doesn't just want to do it. He wants to do it with you so that you learn to trust him and get to know him better. And that's why, as this widow discovered, the miracle might begin today with something you've already got, something that's already in your hand or in your house or an idea God already put in your head. And now he wants you to stop just thinking about it and start acting on it so he can do some miracles. Many times as a church leader, I've gone along to a conference or read a book or gone to a seminar and I thought, I just need to do this brand new thing. Or if, if we were to employ this new person, but what I learned actually the hard way is that's not usually how he works or supplies. I need to look in the house. The supply, the miracle begins with something or somebody God already put there, but I didn't see them. I didn't see it. And, and God was clever enough to put what was needed right there within reach if I just reach out for it. Why don't we see that? Why do I miss it? It's because I'm always looking for trees that have grown when God actually gives us seeds to sow. I'm looking for the end result, but that doesn't need any faith. So often when Jesus talks about what the kingdom of God's like, he said it's like a seed, it's like a mustard seed. It's tiny when it starts, but it grows up and becomes bigger than all the other plants in the garden. It forms these huge branches so the birds of the air can come and nest under its shade. How many times, how many things have changed in recent times, but actually some things have not. God's power hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed his plans for you and me. He's not changed them at all, even though we may have had to change our plans a lot. Now, how we meet as church has changed, but why we meet hasn't. We still want to meet with God together. We still want to see God releasing his power through God's people. That's you and me, by the way. Come on. You know, God can see, God can see whether you're lying in bed eating breakfast in your PJs or, or you put your Sunday best on and a shirt and tie for the church that meets in your house. And, and it's, it's still always going to be about us as a church helping people find God, helping people find their way back to God and helping them to believe in him. And in previous talks, you've heard us talk about hero makers, about I see in you conversations. When somebody comes along and says, I see in you something, somebody God could use to do something amazing. And maybe you can't even see it in yourself, but you feel, maybe you feel like this woman, you're all out of options. You, you've got no or little resources, but then God sees, and maybe it takes somebody to say, maybe it's going to be me, me today, a miracle start to happen. So, if you, if, why don't you open the Bible and follow along with me, 2 Kings 4 verses 1 to 7, and compare your situation with this single parent, this mum locked into this impossible situation in abject poverty with no food, no means of support. The only thing she had a lot of was debt. She's being threatened by angry creditors. Maybe somebody watching, find, you find yourself in this similar situation. That's why I'm so grateful we have our CAP Centre to help so many people. This woman is facing threats. It's like, pay up immediately or you're going to lose your sons. They're going to become slaves. What did she do when she had a problem? What would you do? Well, the good news was she was a woman of God. Her husband had been a prophet, somebody who hears God and speaks for him too. So she went to the prophet. She went to Elisha. And that's the key for us to get hold of in this year, this hard, hard year. Maybe it's going to get harder before it gets better too. 
But the word God gave us at the start of 2020 is this. This is Ivy's year of focus. Where was her focus going to be? Well, she didn't look to herself and think, how can I sort it out? She knew she couldn't. She went to the prophet with the problem. And that's really important. Focus matters so much. Who are we putting our hope in? How you determine that, how you determine the answer to that question is going to decide so much about whether and how you receive a miracle. The major struggles of life look physical, but they're always spiritual. So we've got to start with that spiritual focus to turn things around. If we just insist on looking to people to meet our needs, we're going to end up being disappointed. And that's actually why Elisha gives the widow a surprising answer when she tells him what's wrong. Literally, he says, what can I do? Sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? But remember, this is all about focus. As I said, her husband had been a prophet, so she went looking for the special man of God. And she finds Elisha, but he wanted her to know, no, don't focus on me, focus on God. Don't focus on people. He knew he was not the source of the miracle that she wanted. He didn't want her to put her trust in him. She had to put her trust in the Lord. He refused to be her saviour. It's really pretty awful when you think about it, that Christianity can become celebrity oriented, where we put a few special people up there in the myopic world of Christian fame. You know, I've seen it, I've spoken at this or that conference and, and people can end up treating you like that or you can even become like that yourself, like, aren't I great? But actually I'm not great. It's only by grace that any of us are saved. None of us can boast in anything except that we boast in Jesus Christ. So why do we elevate one person over another person? But you end up with situations where people are like, well, if I could just talk to the pastor, or if I can just go and get a word from that prophet, it'll be all right. You see, I remember hearing one of those very well-known prophets many years ago who's now gone to be with the Lord. He got so fed up of somebody asking for a word all the time that he passed her his Bible and he said, this is full of them. Get a word yourself out of there. Elisha knew what Jesus never wants us to forget, and I'm going to talk about it next week for the new series we're starting, about how the fruit of the Holy Spirit grows. He wants us to know, apart from him, we can do nothing. So he says, what can I do? You know what? That's the starting place of miraculous ministry, when we know I can't do it. But he didn't want her to just finish there. He wanted her to, be, her to be properly focused in faith on the Lord. So he opened up a question in her to open up access to the resources of God. And the next thing that God wants us to do, just like Jesus with those disciples feeding the 5,000, and just like Moses being asked, what's that in your hand, is to get us to focus on what you do have, not what you don't have. So Elisha asked her, hey, what have you got in your house? Because he wants her to start speaking faith. She'd already be spoken negative. She's spoken about what's wrong. Maybe even now you're really good at talking about what's wrong. But I want you to start by saying, what, what have you got? What has God got done for you? What's, what's he already given to you? Be specific. Actually, first of all, you can voice the problem if you want to. But don't stay there. Remember, Jesus Christ is Lord. And he's there for you and he cares about you. And very often when he walked the, the earth, he would find somebody in trouble or in pain. And then he'd ask them, what can I do for you? Not what can you do for me, but what can I do for you? So you can write this down before, you know, we've already done this perhaps in the summer of miracles. Speak it out. What is the need? The supernatural intervention is required to meet. And Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. The door is going to be opened. So now if you were to ask me that, I would say very often, well, what can I do about that? Because I love you guys, but I can't do everything. I can't do anything. I, I can't do miracles. 
I can point you to the one, however, to whom all things are possible. And that's what happens next, because yes, God doesn't just create an answer out of nothing here. In fact, as I've said, his preferred method is to get his children involved as much as possible. So Elisha's question now gets her acting in faith. See, I'm like you. Our first response to crisis is usually like, I'm like, we're doomed. We're all of us doomed. But the prophet knew he needed to move her out of that. And so he got her to articulate her need and she did that, but she'd done that. But then you know, so often we get scared about the future, we get caught up in, we, we can only see what we haven't got, not the possibilities that are still there in front of us. And so, I mean, she answered, your servant has nothing there at all. Now imagine if she stayed there. No, that's the end of the story as far as we're concerned, just to stay there. But she doesn't stay there. You see, what she needed was to see that God had already given her the beginnings, the seed of her miracle. But at first she couldn't see it. It's like when Zoe sends me to the fridge and I'm like, nope, uh, there's no Coca-Cola in here. And she's like, yes, there is. And I'm saying, no, there isn't. Third shelf on the right behind the eggs. No, there's not. Oh, there it is. See, this was the widow's frame of mind when she started to reply, there's nothing in the house. And then she said, except. And that is a huge little word because that little thing is what God can make something exceptional out of. When we say accept, he can do something exceptional. She says, accept a jar of oil. See, faith doesn't deny the problem. It just doesn't stay there. It helps you to see that big miracles often start small with small acts of obedience or sacrifice or generosity. So she went in one sentence from voicing just the negative to the positive. It's another shift of focus. And this is how you start to move along from seeing what you can't do to what God can do. What have you got? Nothing except a little jar of oil. That's all of us in the house. And it's not hard to spot it when all the other shelves are empty. See, we can't actually imagine houses like that probably, but this is real. I've been in tiny huts. A shed, I thought one was, in Kenya, where a single mum actually lived with her little kids. And one of them, they only had a little t-shirt each to clothe them. And this is real poverty she's stuck in. And yeah, she needs a miracle a lot more than I do. And when we look at the needs in the world, and they all seem so huge and we can think, what can I do? Well, God says, yes, you can do something to help other people. Start small, dream big. That's a word for somebody today, by the way. That's a seed God can use to plant miracles out of you if you'll open up to it and let it grow in faith. Don't just think about miracles for yourself. Start small, dream big. Speak it out, say it with me where you are. Lord, I'm gonna start small, but I wanna dream big because you're a big God. Say it out. Only say it if you mean it and, and, and you can pray, Lord, show me what you've given me already. Any small asset, any little gift, any talent that you want me to give back to you so you can use it and multiply it and do miracles. That's the kind of prayer that changes everything. See, Elisha didn't say, just go home and put your feet up and we'll drop around some oil. No, because faith always acts. And Elisha told the widow the action that she had to take was this. Go, it usually starts with go, go and do something. Go and borrow empty jars from all your neighbours. Do not just get a few, underline that. And then he says, and shut the door, keep the doubters out. All the people who say it won't work. Those people who, all the neighbours who are going to go, what's she doing? All those pots, she's gone potty. 
don't listen to them. Close those voices out. And don't focus on the problem. Don't listen to those negatives. Focus on God and what he can do. Shut the doors and get pouring out that little bit of oil that you've got into those jars. And the phrase I love best in this whole story there in verse four, get not a few. Get not a few. Start small, dream big. Don't limit God. Years ago, a minister called Dr. Tayo Adeyemi came and spoke at a little retreat I was part of. And he said he, he prayed a prayer every day that came out of this passage. Lord, increase my capacity for my opportunity. Great prayer. To be honest, I didn't even know what it meant, but I started praying it too. And when I did, it happened. And I think we need to start praying it again. Why don't you pray it with me now? Lord, increase my capacity for my opportunity. Because heaven never ran out of oil. They just ran out of jars. Heaven never ran out of possibility. They just ran out of capacity. And you know the way we've been doing church at Ivy, we kind of had these containers. We've had these few big buckets and we call them sites. And we put ministries and money and people in those few containers and we presented them to God. And yes, thank you, he's been pleased to fill them up. And we started out here in this building with just one jar for over a century. But when it came, those other, those buckets, Sharston, Fuse, they started out as jars, but they became bigger. And now we're in different days and maybe we could end up with our focus like the widow started out with, focusing on things we can't do, what we feel like we've not got and what's been taken away. We could be like, oh, we can only open the one little jar there in Didsbury and that's all we can do to go back. Listen, no way, we're not going back, we're going forward. We're going to shift our focus. We're going to keep on looking at God. Then we're going to focus on what we have got and give it back to God and get using it. And guess what? We haven't just got a few. We've got hundreds and hundreds and we're going to have thousands and thousands of jars. And it isn't just a few special buckets anymore. We're starting to move away from a site-based model into a multiplication and movement model as Ivy Church. And this way is way better than just having a few buckets because the jars, you know where they are? They're in your house because 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 says we have this treasure God's treasure comes in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us this isn't just about a few special people it's about God putting something special in every ordinary person who's willing to be filled he puts the miracle in you and in me we're just ordinary we're just jars of clay but he wants to fill us up he wants to fill you up now full of his oil the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit to pour it out everywhere this isn't just a few special people meeting in special buildings in the old testament god's spirit at one point people were trying to restrict what it was doing what he was doing and moses said you know what i wish i wish all god's people were prophets and then god spoke and did it at pentecost he said i'm going to pour out my spirit on all people they're all going to prophesy and he did it and every open jar got filled with his treasure with his oil his love his miracle his words and now he wants to do it in you and me he wants you to go and pour it out and pour it out and pour it out wherever we go so wherever you are if you're able stand up because the oil isn't going to stop it's meant to flow and flow and flow and right where you are want you stretch up to heaven right now and if you feel empty good he wants to fill you up in all those empty places because you might feel I've got nothing except and God wants to do an exceptional miracle in you and through you if you say I'm just a jar of clay great God's going to use you 
fill me up Lord, say it where you are, ask him, fill me up, every part of me, fill me up and then this week you can go and you can lay those hands on the sick and they will recover in Jesus name because heaven hasn't run out of oil, God is just looking for more jars that you can put his treasure inside, so say to him Lord that's me, use me, if you can use anybody you can use me and you'll speak the very words of God into every situation and you'll see God make a way when there was no way, when you give him what you've got right now, whether you think it's only a little or a lot, just give it all to him and say, Lord, I want to see what only you can do. I want to do what you want me to do. And Lord, thank you that you don't just want to do it for me, but you want to do it with me and through me for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.